It's Hugh Hewitt. A week ago today, I was at the Kirby Center Hillsdale's College's Lantern in the shadow of the Congress in the Boyle Studios built by Bold Gold Media, where I was yesterday. It was Vince Benedetto, by the way. I am in Roslyn today. But today I'm talking with Hillsdale President Larry Arn. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue. All Hillsdale Dialogues dating back now four-plus years are collected at Hugh4Hillsdale.com. You ought to visit Hillsdale.com, to see, Hillsdale.edu to see everything Hillsdale. And, Dr. Arn, a week ago we were together anticipating Donald Trump's inaugural address, and today I want to go through it. But first, your your reaction to it from 30,000 feet and a week later, what did you think of the president's remarks to the nation? Well, I thought it was diff- almost different in kind from any that I've seen. I thought this at the time. It was incredibly aggressive. Uh, it was very plain who his enemies are. They were all sitting behind him. (laughs) (laughs) All the officials up there. It was, it was extraordinarily like, like it was electric, changed the mood when he started talking. Um, there was a lot of booing in, in the crowd of, of, uh, Senator Schumer who wasn't on the program. And maybe it's the custom that the person who introduces the chief justice is not on the program. And maybe it's the custom that it's some member of the opposition. But people thought he'd just seize the microphone. <laughs> and so, and he talked a long time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it, it, and it seemed longer than that. So it was a rowdy crowd. And then when, when, uh, when Trump turned to the microphone, everything stopped. And goodness he just took off and uh, there was it may have been artful and it may have not been artful but when he got to the passage in the speech about how the past is over and returning to the future it just so happened on the jumbotron was the clintons and the obamas oh and the crowd erupted into wild laughter <laughs> oh they did <laughs> they did you'd think they might have booed but no Everybody thought that was funny. And, uh, and so, first of all, it was in, in my part of the thing. I was in Section C, which is, you know, pretty, you know, pretty far up, I guess. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting beside the commander-in-chief. But, uh, but I had, you know, a certain senator helped me get tickets, and I had good tickets, right? So I could, I could see, and I was close enough. But it, was, it just was arresting. And it was relentless. The, the pattern of speech is, is a driving point from the first word to the last. Indeed, his first week has been that may be the best word, relentless. Yeah, I, and I, uh, he just, uh, it's like time's wasting, and 10 minutes ago is a lot better time to do something than right now. And, Let and, me play for you some of the inaugural address. I want to walk through it and remind people of what was a week ago and then get your comments in particular segments. Let's play cut number 17. Today's ceremony, however, has very special meaning because today we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government 
while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now, because this moment is your moment. It belongs to you. It belongs to everyone gathered here today and everyone watching all across America. This is your day. This is your celebration. And this, the United States of America, is your country. Now, Dr. Larry Arn, there is in there quite a lot that is familiar, but there's a radical tone to it. Uh, the Constitution didn't change. Nothing actually changed except the people who inhabit various offices. He's making a much more radical claim, though, about changing things. Well, Reagan, uh, so I've been sitting here this morning comparing this to Reagan's first inaugural, and they're very like and, and different in what you're just indicating. Reagan says that the, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trope, it's something they say, this is a commonplace, this peaceful transfer of power. Trump says that, too, but then he says, but this one is special. And <laughs> this one is special because I'm transferring power from all those people sitting up behind me to you. And, and that means that Trump's first claim is that this may be, it's certainly very different, and it may be one of the greatest of inaugurations. And so the, the striking difference, and one of the reasons this speech is so incredibly aggressive, and see, you, you know, I'm a guy who loves the past of America and thinks that it's a glory and thinks that we have to recover it. Well, that's not in this speech, except for this one word that is everywhere in Trump's campaign, great again, again, right? Yep. It's, it's not Trump's point that he's going to build a new country. It's his point, and always has been his point, that he's going to restore the country to its greatness. But he doesn't give a history lesson when he's doing that. And that's, that's one reason why it's, it's such a driving spear of a speech. There is another reason. I, this is the reason it grew on me overnight, because of the clarity with which he states this. Cut number 21, please. We'll follow two simple rules. Buy American and hire American. We will seek friendship and goodwill with the nations of the world. But we do so with the understanding that it is the right of all nations to put their own interests first. 
We do not seek to impose our way of life on anyone, but rather to let it shine as an example. We will shine for everyone to follow. We will reinforce old alliances and form new ones and unite the civilized world against radical Islamic terrorism, which we will eradicate completely from the face of the earth. Larry, that is a big claim. Um, We will shine and we will eradicate radical Islamic terrorism from the face of the earth. Too much of a claim? Uh, Well, um... Uh, what did Winston Churchill say he was going to do to Adolf Hitler? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah, no, not really. Um, you, you've, uh, I just, I, we're, ready, we're, we're editing the Churchill documents right now, and for 1944. Oh. And the, and the, uh, and I'm, I'm on page 460 of 1400, and then I'm done. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I count pages every day now because I got to finish. Anyway, the head of the British Museum wants to send a bunch of paintings to Canada. And this is just a private note, right? And Churchill writes back and says, not a bit, he says. We're going to beat him. Put them in caves if you must, but he is not coming here. (laughs) See? So in a war, that kind of absolute talk has a place. But think about this. Uh, I, 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 on reflection, because I've thought a lot about this speech, because it was very arresting to me sitting in the audience, and I've never sat there before and watched one of them in person. Um, Trump's problem, our problem today, is in a way the opposite of the problem of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, because Lincoln's problem was the Union was, was, was a fragmenting around a doubting of the principles of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, those who didn't like slavery thought that that Christian Independence was good. Those who did thought it was bad. Hey, hang on. We're going to go to a break, and I'm going to come right back to this subject, how it is different and the same. Don't go anywhere, America. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue with Dr. Larry Arn. Hillsdale.edu for all things Hillsdale. For all of these dialogues, Hugh for Hillsdale.com. Stay with us. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt, 22 minutes after the hour. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue. Every week at this time, Dr. Larry Arner, one of his colleagues from Hillsdale College, joins me to go very high, 30,000 feet, and look down at the events of the last 2,000-plus years. This week, we are looking at the events of a week ago. Dr. Arn was in the crowd at the inauguration of Donald Trump, heard the speech, and was remarking when he went to break, how different is the problem that confronts him from that which confronted Lincoln? It's it's a yeah so it's a form of the same problem fragmentation because a bunch of people didn't believe in the Declaration of Independence. Today we have two. Everybody believes in the Declaration of Independence. It's just that some people read it to mean a world state run by a scientific class to lead us on to utopia. And so what's going on? Theresa May is uh, coming to Washington D.C. this week. To t- she's the, pri- the, the Prime Minister of Great Britain to talk about a trade deal with Donald Trump because they're leaving the European Union. And what is that thing except an unaccountable multinational government? And the tendencies toward that are very strong here in the United States. These trade deals that Trump doesn't like, they all contain extraterritorial agreements that that amount to a lot of bureaucracy. 
And so we're going that way. You know, Strobe Talbot, journalist and undersecretary of state under Clinton, said things about the eventual international law under which we would all live. Trump stood up for nationalism. That is to say, the Declaration of Independence, this passage you just read is, is a, a fine microcosm of this point. This passage that you just read says that, uh, well, the Declaration says, all have their rights, and in politics those rights come to sight as their right to consent to the government over them. You can't have consent unless you have a definite people. That's why you have to have borders. But also, once a people consents, they become a separate people. They become their own people, responsible for their own affairs, as Thomas Jefferson said, and Trump echoes him in that passage you just read, friends of liberty everywhere, custodians only of our own. Huh, huh. Interesting. I I, I had Richard Haas on yesterday, the president of the Council of Foreign Relations, and talked to him about the fact that Trump is shaking the pillars of the U.N. He is actually bringing down the temple of all of these organizations directly or indirectly by denying the money. He is erecting the wall. And between he and Brexit, you know, two years ago, uh, Larry Arm, we've been doing this for nearly five years now. Two years ago, this was unimaginable that the world would look this way, wasn't it? Yeah, we were uh, we were two lunatics sometimes suggesting things like this, and now this. I mean, we're talking about the first week here. <laughs> so, I know. You know what's he going to do next week? You know, it's amazing. But and, but is it, it is also I've used this analogy with Chuck Todd and with Jake Tapper and others. It's like a great concert with a couple of bad songs. And Jake Tapper said the dead cat theory is that he just throws a dead cat on the table. No matter what you're talking about, you have to talk about the dead cat. Uh, and there have been these um, off-message tweets, Larry Arn. Do you think they are simply idiosyncratic about Donald Trump, our new president, or are they part of the plan? Yeah, I don't think they're off-message. <laughs> I, <think>, uh, <laughs> I think Trump is, I mean, uh, like... Uh, uh, to me, one of the most extraordinary things was his going to the CIA. Yes. And, and uh, you know, we learned last week with Senator Cotton that there was a deal that they were going to get Pompeo uh, confirmed so that Trump could swear him in at the CIA on Saturday. And so, of course, they waited till Monday and yep. broke the deal. Broke the deal. And, uh, you know, there's news this week that uh, Cotton and Pompeo had a big fight. Uh, I'm sorry, Cotton and Schumer had a big fight. For Cotton Very colorful. I talked to him about it yesterday. Very colorful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, Schumer should be more careful, right? Because Tom oh, Cotton yes. is pretty good. And, yes. and he can't leave himself wide open like... Where were you eight years ago? And the answer is, I was fighting in Afghanistan. The exact quote is, I was getting my ass shot at in Afghanistan. <laughs> so, so, Tom's a little earthy there. Um, <laughs> it is ma- Well, hold that thought. I'll be right back. Dr. Larry Arn and I are having fun at Chuck Schumer's expense, and we could do that for a long time, America. Don't go anywhere. The Hilldale Dialogue continues after the break.
Welcome back, America. It's you here with Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He is always so generous in making available to me the studios at the Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., in the shadow of the Capitol. The Boyle Studios, constructed by our friends Bold Gold Media, at uh, in order to advance American liberty over the airwaves from the center of it. Dr. Arn, i got to go back to the speech, but before we do, you were making the, the comment about Donald Trump going to Langley, the Central Intelligence oh, yeah. Agency, in the shadow of the fight over which Chuck Schumer broke his word and about which Tom Cotton was very angry, rightfully so. Richard Burr used the word liar, which is very, very strong language for the Senate. Uh, and what did you make of the Trump remarks at the agency following that breach of trust by Schumer? Well, uh, you know, so he, the day he, so he went there on Saturday, right? And so he's been president for less than 24 hours. And he walks in there, and it's obvious what he's doing. He's going to go tell those guys how important they are, and he's going to do that on TV, and they're going to applaud him on TV. And then he's going to further prosecute his war with the media, because he told the CIA effectively, well, in in just about this many words, he said, we're going to win this terrible war with global Islamic terror, and you're going to be key to that, and I have complete confidence in you. And meanwhile, I have my own running war with the media, and they have been pretending that I'm at odds with you, and we know better than that, and then there's wild cheering. Yeah. Now, if you're, you know, the anchor person on CBS News, <laughs> I can't remember who that is right now, never mind, um, how are you going to argue with that? <laughs> that was pretty good. They tried to argue. The pool report tried to make it sound as though that was Trump's staff. But, in fact, Sean Spicer laid that to bed. It was not Trump's staff. It was the agency, 400 people of the agency cheering him. And his fight was with John Brennan, who was a former CIA director, and James Clapper, a very honorable man, but at odds with Donald Trump, and with Barack Obama, and mostly with Ben Rhodes and Valerie Jarrett. He was fighting against political people who said they were representing the intelligence community, and Trump called him out on it. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a Hillsdale College parent who uh, was big, and he's retired now, but he was big in the intelligence world, and he knows Clamper really well. And Clamper spoke at his retirement ceremony, which I attended. Uh, and uh, I, I gather that Clamper is a really great guy, but yep. Clamper criticized the president-elect in the Congress, and he shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have even, he should have said, you know, when it was, the point that he made was, he said, uh, being critical, demeaning goes beyond critical. And that would be a point for him, a man of great experience, and apparently a really great man, to say back, he is the elected commander-in-chief. And, of course, we have no criticism to make of him. We will tell him the truth as we know it. That's exactly. It eluded him. Even good men make bad bad judgments. Let me go back to the speech. A few things I want to play for audience, get your comment. Cut number 22, where he talks about loyalty. Cut number 22. At the bedrock of our politics will be a total allegiance to the United States of America. And through our loyalty to our country, we will rediscover our loyalty to each other. When you open your heart to patriotism, there is no room for prejudice. (laughs) 
The Bible tells us how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We must speak our minds openly, debate our disagreements honestly, but always pursue solidarity. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. There should be no fear. We are protected, and we will always be protected. We will be protected by the great men and women of our military and law enforcement. And most importantly, we will be protected by God. Larry Arn, loyalty, no prejudice, protected by our military and our police, and protected by God. That was a minute, 20 seconds, and it had a lot in it. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, remember, this is a very short uh, inaugural address, and they tend to be short. This is shorter than most of them. And it's very pointed. And, and, it's, he, so, and he gave, as you, a minute, 20 seconds to that point. So he wants us, you, you can translate this into the terms of Abraham Lincoln, who said many things just like what Donald Trump just said. In Lincolnian language, he says that the Declaration of Independence is the electric cord and that it becomes the father of all moral principle in us, says Lincoln. And so what Trump is saying is our country is what we have in common, we who live on this land. And it is actually, truly, the thing we have in common and the thing that makes us different from every other people on Earth. And so to resurrect that language, and of course that word patriotism, because see, he didn't, he didn't, and that, you know, this is what I, I would suggest that he alter over time, because I think the speech was very effective and very great, and a hundred words from being maybe the best, or one of the best in modern times. It was one of the best in modern times, maybe the best. But he should, he, I think he should deploy, because patriotism, right, that comes from, Latin, you know, means father, the fatherland. Well, that's a very fine and respectable way to talk. But our particular fatherland is formed under principles that that lay the ground for citizenship. And so, if he put that connection together, that would be, I, I think, by telling the, Amer- the, the 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 Americans are a people with a story. Here's where he comes closest to doing that, Dr. Larry Arnold. Let's play cut number 23. Finally, we must think big and dream even bigger. In America, we understand that a nation is only living as long as it is striving. We will no longer accept politicians who are all talk and no action, constantly complaining, but never doing anything about it. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. 
We stand at the birth of a new millennium, ready to unlock the mysteries of space, to free the Earth from the miseries of disease, and to harness the energies, industries, and technologies of tomorrow. A new national pride will stir our souls, lift our sights, and heal our divisions. It's time to remember that old wisdom our soldiers will never forget, that whether we are black or brown or white, we all bleed the same red blood of patriots. Dr. Larry Arn, a nation is only living, he says, when it's doing certain things. Now arrives the hour of action. We all bleed the same red blood of patriotism. He's talking about what you were just referring to, the idea of nation. Yeah, our, our nation. And it, uh, see, that it, people, for, people miss it. Modern liberals, by the way, have reinterpreted the Declaration of Independence to exclude this understanding. But you, if you just read through the Declaration of Independence, you see that its purpose is to give rise to a nation yep. constituted by the consent of its citizens. And the energy in that nation comes from the challenge they all have to help govern the nation and themselves. And that's why it's the most energetic nation on earth. And so that thing, I mean, first of all, it, it sitting there, it was, you know, I'm, you know, what have I got in my head, right? We'd just been on the radio for the last two weeks talking about great inaugural addresses. Yep. And I just read a whole bunch of them, right? And so I go down, you know, I got my checklist in my mind. And what I thought was, this is different. Now, by the end, I didn't think it was different as I thought it was at the beginning. Uh, but it was, don't miss anything. And this, this first week in office proves it. This is a declaration of war. This, Donald Trump is going to name people and fight them. And that's what he's doing. And it's the strongest forces in the land he's taken on. And, and he did, I mean, uh, the, the trade unions, right? He's, he's recruiting them. And the intelligence community, he went to go get them. And he's, he's isolating his enemies who, you know, he beat in the general election and who are the minority in the Congress. And he intends to just pummel them, I think. He is. It's exactly, exactly right. One more segment with Dr. Arn. One more segment of a very memorable inaugural address a week ago. Next week, we return to the abolition of man, if, if events allow, if events allow. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back with Dr. Larry Arn and the Hillsdale Dialogue, all of which are collected at Hugh for Hillsdale.com. You can, of course, also remember that as we talk about this inaugural address, what do they do next? It's all laid out in my book, The Fourth Way. Dr. Arn has it memorized. You ought to have it memorized. Every member of Congress got a copy of The Fourth Way. It's linked at HughHewitt.com. It's at Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. It is uh, burn up the hands of every member of Congress. People are calling telling me, can we really do this? And the answer is yes. It can make America great again. You can do The Fourth Way. And if they will simply do what's in there, and I think I've turned them around. If I can get conservatives on the same page, well... We can make the world start again. We can get conservatism back the fourth way back. Reaganism on steroid with a little Hamilton laid over it. Very originalist. If you're listening to this hour, you definitely need to go get the fourth way. It's linked at Hugh Hewitt. It's at Amazon.com. You also need to head over to our friends at Sierra Pacific, 888 1172 Andrew Delray, Todd Avakian. Andrew and Todd. 
Uh, I'm going to see him next week. I'm uh, going to be doing a screening for The Shack. And uh, they're going to come because they're great, uh, wonderful believers. And they've been taking care of all of you so well with your mortgage needs. Whether you need to refinance the home you are in because you got a home equity line of credit and interest rates are creeping up and you cannot get stuck in that vise. Or you want to be a first-time home buyer. Or you simply want to refinance and get a few extra dollars in your pocket every day. 888-888-1172. Connection to Andrew and Todd. I've known him forever. I've known Andrew for more than 20 years. He's been in my small group. You can, you can trust these guys. And if you're in a veteran, if you've served your country in uniform, you absolutely get in 100% financing at terrific rates with no mortgage insurance. 888-888-1172 for Sierra Pacific. Stay tuned. I'll be right back, America, on the conclusion of the Hillsdale Dialogue with Larry Arndt. Welcome back, America. Two Hewitt wrapping up an amazing week as I continue my book tour for the fourth way, the conservative playbook for a lasting GOP majority. Uh, Dr. Ron, I got to say about my book, I executed a little plan. I love it when it comes together. I knew they were going to Philadelphia, so I sent a copy to be put in every room of the members of Congress, and Lamar Alexander confirmed he'd gotten it and read it and talked to me about it, and Matt Spaulding told me it was up there. I love it when a plan comes together, and our plan for the inaugural week has come together. Let me play you one last clip of Donald Trump. Cut number 24. And whether a child is born in the urban sprawl of Detroit or the windswept plains of Nebraska, they look up at the same night sky, they fill their heart with the same dreams, and they are infused with the breath of life by the same almighty creator. So to all Americans in every city near and far, small and large, from mountain to mountain, from ocean to ocean, hear these words. You will never be ignored again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. And your courage and goodness and love will forever guide us along the way. Together, we will make America strong again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Now, Larry Arn, I was on NBC at this time, and I thought the speech was grim, but it grew on me. The American carnage line stuck with me. But at the end, when he did this, he rhetorically tied his campaign to his inaugural address. It's actually a fine bit of speech writing. Oh, yeah. It's uh, very, it, it is very beautiful. And um, the, the part where the wisdom of the soldiers and the, all the same color blood running through the child, looking up and seeing the same night sky and the same protected by the same almighty creator, that and then proceeding to make America great again, that is lovely. And remember what's controversial about it, right? Because uh, if this was Hillary Clinton, we might have heard that the child in Damascus, the refugee child, looks up at that same night sky. You see, and and that means that uh, that Trump thinks that the nation state 
has an integrity, a natural integrity, that it is a firm thing and the only way to get our freedom, and that is the thing we own. Now, the objections to it have been that he used the word carnage, and it's called the American Carnage Speech. And I have replied to some of my friends on the left, the best movie in America this year is called Moonlight. It is about an um, African-American child, age eight, with a crackhead mother who is, uh, his sexual orientation is in question. He's bullied and he's beaten up and life is hard on him. It's full of crime and a terrible neighborhood. I said, everyone loves this movie. Liberals love this movie. I love this movie. I thought it was very evocative of a place I do not know and, and, and a life I did not live. But it is an American carnage moment. And so Donald Trump was speaking the truth about a lot of America. And that's why he won. But the liberal elites did not like that word carnage, Dr. Oh. Well, let me read you a little bit from Lank, uh, Reagan. So Reagan writes, These United States are, con in his first inaugural, confronted with an economic affliction of great proportions. We suffer from the longest and one of the most sustained inflations. It distorts our economic decisions, penalizes thrift, crushes the struggling young and the fixed-income elderly, threatens to shatter the lives of millions. Idle industries have cast workers into unemployment, human misery, and personal indignity. Those are very similar words. And, yeah, they uh, are. I hadn't uh, thought of that. You're yeah, absolutely right. It, uh, and so, this I, see, the reason, you know, if, uh, if uh, somebody says in his first inaugural address, a bunch of people have wrecked America, then it's really interesting to see who takes offense. <laughs> <laughs> So, so a last thing, he, he's not the most stylistically gifted speaker. It is a hammer blow after a hammer blow after a hammer blow. Um, how does that wear long term? Lincoln had many different uh, tones, many different keys in which he sang and, and did his poetry. Brevity was one of them. It was very good. What do you think? A last minute to you. Does he change it much? Uh, well, uh, Lincoln and Trump had great senses of humor. Trump has, so Churchill, he's going to need it, and we're going to need it. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, first of all, if he's, you know, we may see, he's, we're going to see him cornered, right, and assailed, and he will fight. But he's really good at telling jokes, too. Yes, so, he is, and, and that's what they don't get at the CIA. He told a few jokes, and people took umbrage. It was remarkable. Dr. Larry Arndt, thank you again for opening up Kirby Center for me when I'm in town this week. And uh, Godspeed, we will be t back on the abolition of man next week and looking forward to it. Thank you, Dr. Larry Arndt. Thanks, all of you, for listening. If you haven't already done so, run out immediately and get a copy of The Fourth Way, my brand-new book. It's linked at HughHewitt.com. Make it a bestseller. More importantly, make the Congress listen to do it. I'll be back next week on the next Hugh Hewitt Show.